0: And peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Second graders, once again, good job on uh, leading us to the cross in many ways. Loved some of those lyrics that you were singing. I loved all of them, but some of them were really, really powerful. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I want you to help me out a little bit. So last week, all right, on Monday was kind of a big day. Do you remember what day it was this past Monday and the whole school celebrated it? What was it called? What we got here? Read Across America Day, also known as, also, what day was that? March what? Like what grade are you in? What grade are you in? (laughs) Second grade. All right. It was March 2nd. It's also, what day is that? Do we know? What day is it? It's Dr. Seuss's birthday, right? And that's kind of the whole Read Across America Day and uh, Dr. Seuss's birthday kind of come together. So raise your hand if you like, Dr. Seuss uh uh-huh. you all should be having your hands up right now. Okay, we all love Dr. Seuss, right? I do. I have a lot of Dr. Seuss's books at our house. What is your favorite Dr. Seuss book? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? What do we got? Green Eggs and Ham, green eggs and ham is a classic. What about, what do we mean you? Ham. Green Eggs and Ham, uh-huh. Anything else? The cat, the, hat. the cat in the Hat, of course. What do we got right here? Green, green Eggs and Ham again. Okay, no more Green Eggs and Ham. Okay, we well, know that one's the best. What do you got? What? Footbook. The Foot Book? Ooh, I don't know if I read that one. The Foot Book. What about, what about, what about right there? The foot book again? What about over here? Sneeches on, on the Beaches. That's one of my favorite. That's a really good one. Well, there is also another one out there that I love. I heard a lot of kids were reading it. Even they watched a movie about it. And uh, even some people had these things on their faces. What? Remember that? What was that from? The Lorax right there. Check it out. Look at that. Even made with uh, recycled paper, which is really cool. And I didn't print it out. I wanted to get it on the screen just to save the environment, if you know what I mean. The Lorax was pro- trying to protect the what? The trees. the trees. The trees. The truffle of trees. The beautiful truffle of trees, right? There they are. You read that this week, didn't you? Who read that this week? Did you guys read that? Did you watch the movie too? Yeah, the book is always better than the movie, by the way. All right, the swami swans are up there. You also got the barba, what are they? The brown, the brown barba lutes, very cool. And the what kind of fish? The hummingfish. fish. Right, the hummingfish, fish, of course. But someone came in called the what? The onceler. And the onceler chopped down all the trees. He even made this machine that could chop down four trees at one time, right? And it was not a good thing. He chopped down all those trees. He polluted the air, so it started looking like this, right? And the swami swans, they couldn't sing anymore, right? And he polluted the ponds, right, so that the humming fish couldn't swim. They had to go find another place to swim. And then the last of the trifola trees was what? Chopped down, right? The onceler did that. And then everything looked like this, right? Everything looked dead, right? It wasn't good, right? Nothing was good there. The once destroyed the land. Why? Why'd the once destroy the land? Because of what? Because of his? Sneed. What is it? Sneed is right by here. What do we got? Thneed. Yeah, the sneed. But the sneed he made because of his? Because of his. Someone told me this earlier this week. The th- he made the sneed because of his what? Because of his. It rhymes with Thneed And it starts with G-R-E-E-E greed there we go good job my friends these kids are smart all right it was because of his greed right he was remember the line in there he said he was figuring on biggering and biggering and biggering and biggering and biggering remember that because of his greed he wanted more the wensler right what were some of the things that we learned from the lorax this past week what was kind of the moral of the story do we have anybody who wants to share that anybody yes sir yeah, we learned about greed. Greed's not a good thing, right? Anybody out? Do, any other observations from the from the Lorax? What we should do from the Lorax? What kind of the message was? What, anybody? Anybody? Yes, right here. No, chop, chop right, what, well, if we, you, know, you got to chop down trees every now and then. Yeah, that's true. However, um, it's kind of saying we got to take care of the environment, right? We got to take care of... There you go. Take care of God's nature, God's creation, right? Because uh, we talk about this, that we're not supposed to destroy other people's property, right? Right? Are you supposed to destroy other people's property? No. You're not supposed to do that at all. In fact, um, you're not supposed to destroy your own property either, but especially someone else's, right? That's not a good idea. We want to honor and we respect other people's property. Well, guess what? This planet that we live in is called the planet what? Earth, right? Who owns planet Earth? Does anybody know? Good answer. All right. We've taught you well. God owns the planet Earth, right? In fact, our psalm today, Psalm 24, we're journeying through the book of Psalms during Lent, right? And psalms are basically prayers and they're songs to God and about God. This one's mostly about God, right? Psalm 24, let's take a look at it. It says right here, the earth is the who? Who? The Lord's, just like you said, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and he established it on the waters. So the earth is God's. God owns the earth and everyone in it, we should take care of it, right? We're called to be managers of the earth, stewards of the earth, caretakers of the earth, right? That's what God calls us to do. And we can agree with that. We don't worship the earth, right? But we honor the earth because God created it, okay? So good job. Keep that in your mind. I'm going to go back and talk to the the big kids out there, but I want you still to pay attention because there are some good things I want you to hear. And big kids out there, I really love this psalm because it actually does tie into the story of the Lorax that our second graders read this past week because the earth is God's creation. Not, Not only is the earth God's creation, but so too are we as human beings, and we are called from the very beginning as the pinnacle of God's creation to honor all of creation and to take care of it. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall of humanity, in Genesis chapter 2.15, it says this. It says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Right. So humanity is called to take care of creation. But like the whistler in the Lorax, humanity got greedy. Adam and Eve, they took the fruit because they wanted more. They were biggering, as the Wansler called it. They wanted more, though they had everything in the garden, practically. Perfect life with each other, perfect life with God, but they wanted more. It's called, it rhymes with sneed and starts with G-R-E-E. What was it? Greed. greed. All right, you guys got it. They were greedy. They wanted more. And we learned that greed not only destroys the environment, but greed, with God, the environment which God created, but greed also can destroy humanity, humanity who is the pinnacle of God's creation. So I love that psalm. Psalm 24, it kind of starts out with that. It really ties in well, actually, with the Lorax and uh, That language, Psalm 24, let's bring it up again there, verse 1 and 2, it starts to talk about the earth, right? It talks about the world, and then it talks about the seas, and then it talks about the waters, and then the story continues in verse 3 with the mountains, okay? In verse 3, it says, who may ascend the mountain? But it starts to come in from the earth to humanity. It's, It's a physical pursuit to a spiritual pursuit. It says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? It's interesting how King David, who wrote this psalm, he's talking about ascending mountains, climbing up mountains, and it kind of makes you about, what's the context there? What was it like 3,000 years ago? And then it makes you think about our own context and our own ascents of mountains. Uh, Most of us like to go up to the top of the mountains, right? In fact, one of my friends in my life group was talking to me uh, that he was showing me some pictures on his phone that he went up Saddleback Mountain last weekend. It's also called Santiago Peak. And he ascended it in his truck, right? So that only takes an hour and a half, you know? So that's the easy way to get up to the top, right? But most of us, we like to go up on top of mountains. I remember, anybody ever climbed up a mountain? No, no matter how small, maybe like even 2,000 feet? I mean, people like to do that. We like to go hiking. We like to climb up to the top. I remember I climbed up Mount St. Helens once. I almost got to the top, but when I got up there, the top wasn't there anymore, I guess. So, uh, <clears throat> but you, you get what i saying. When you get up there, you can look out. and You just see uh, the creation, right? And some people make a big deal about ascending mountains. They want to get to the highest mountains. Mount Everest, 29,029 feet. I mean, that's crazy. Six times practically higher than, than Saddleback, than Santiago Peak just down the road. And I was reading an article about Mount Everest recently that a lot of people have t- paid a ton of money just to get to the top of that mountain. And a lot of people have gotten greedy, like the once in that whole pursuit. They try to help people get to the top of Everest who maybe aren't ready for it. They don't have the training. They don't have the experience. They don't have the lungs. They don't have the physical capacity, but they want to get the money. And many of those people have actually died trying to go up the mountain, losing their lives. Also, many people have trashed Mount Everest, right? A year ago, I read an article that said there's 30 tons of trash left up on Mount Everest by people who only wanted to climb the mountain but not take care of it. And it got me thinking about how it's funny what greed can do to us. King David, he moves from the creation of uh, of the earth, talking about the, the creation of the earth, to talking about the pinnacle of creation, humanity. And he's not just talking about, I wonder if she could climb Mount Everest, or I wonder if he could climb Saddleback, or Baldy, or Whitney, or whatever. King David, he goes beyond the pursuits of physical humanity to spiritual pursuits in this question. Psalm 24, verse 3, when he says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may climb up the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? You see, many people think that in the context of this psalm, what actually is going on here is that when the people of God were returning the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was built on a mountain, Mount Moriah, where the tabernacle was. That's the sanctuary where the church God promised Uh, to be present with humanity in a tangible way there. Later, the temple would be built there. So the question is being asked, who would be worthy to bring up the ark? Who would be worthy to bring up the ark to the tabernacle, to the church, to the top of the mountain, to the holy of holies in Jerusalem? And then the answer comes in verse 4. The psalmist, King David, he says, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol, or swear by a false god. The psalm is getting at the importance of our hearts. It's getting at the importance of our actions, our our clean hands, not like in a ceremonial way, like if I just cross myself and I come to church, well, then everything's cool, right? Those things aren't bad, but King David is getting at the heart. David's talking about where are our hearts before God? How do we treat God's creation, not only the earth, but also his people. When we read the Lorax, we see the Lorax heart was good. His heart was for the people. His heart was for the creation. The once his heart was only for himself. His idol was money and more and biggering and greed. King David says, those who trust in God are the ones with clean hands, pure heart. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but David continues and said, these type of people, verse 5, they will receive blessing from the Lord, vindication from God their Savior. Verse 6, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. King David is saying those who trust in God will be able to enter. They will receive blessing. They will receive vindication. Vindication. But then in the next verses, the scene sort of changes a bit, and he begins to hint how this actually might happen. The imagery of, uh, uh, is of God's people ascending the mountain, going up toward to Jerusalem, which is on top of the mountain, like I said, and this conversation sort of begins. It's maybe as, as they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the people of God, which is the presence of God's glory among the people, and they, they're coming up to the mountain. They're coming up to the entrance to the sanctuary, entrance to the tabernacle, entrance to the church. And they say in verse seven, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory, which you guys just sang about, which is pretty awesome, ties together awesome, the King of glory may come in. And then the people guarding the entrance to the sanctuary are saying back, well, who is the King of glory? And the people carrying up the ark are saying, The Lord, Yahweh, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And then they say again, Lift up your heads, you gates. Verse 8, lift them up, you ancient doors. Verse 9, that the king of glory may come in. There it is, the king of glory again. Good job, second graders. Verse 10, the people at the gates, at the entrance of the church, they're saying, well, who is he? Who is this king of glory? And the answer back The Lord Almighty, Yahweh Almighty, he is the king of glory. And what we see here is something far greater than climbing up Saddleback or Baldy or Everest. But what we see here is God himself, who is higher than Mount Everest, who with a word created Mount Everest. God himself, the king of glory, coming to live, coming to dwell, coming to camp With humanity. You see, if you look in the last book of the Bible, we see who this king of glory is. Revelation chapter 19 verse 16 says, on his robe. One of our life groups is studying Revelation right now. You go for it, all right? That's a good book to study. It's going to take you through 13 years to get through it, but it'll be good. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, king of kings and lord of lords. Our second graders just sang about this. All right? The king of all kings is Jesus. This is talking about Jesus in Revelation in a symbolic figurative way. He's the king of glory. And so when King David asked in verse 3, "Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord?" The answer is verse 4 says the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The only one to ever have completely clean hands and a completely pure heart is Jesus. Every one of us in the room, our second graders included, have been greedy like the onceler. We've hurt God's creation. We've hurt each other. We've hurt ourselves because greed has a way of doing that. We saw it all the way back in the garden with Adam and Eve. But Jesus ascends the mountain for us. Not Saddleback, not Baldy, not Everest, not K2, not even 2,500 foot elevation Jerusalem. Mount Moriah, but another little hill outside called Calvary. In fact, Calvary was this small little hill outside of Jerusalem. It was also called Golgotha. In verse, chapter, verse, uh, chapter 19 of, of John, says this. It says So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, and carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the school, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha, which in Latin is called Calvary. And they crucified him there. It's just a few feet up that hill. And compared to Everest, physically speaking, it's nothing. But spiritually speaking, it is the hardest mountain in the world to ascend, to climb. No one could climb it. No one could climb it except Jesus. He took all the greed of the world he took all the greed of the wonsler and the lorax he took all of our greed he took all of our brokenness he put it on his shoulders and he climbed up that mountain and he redeemed all of it and he made our hearts pure he made our hands clean and he paved the way for us to ascend the mountain of the lord but jesus he just didn't do all that to redeem our greed he redeemed us for a purpose. Second graders, you may remember at the end of the Lorax, the little boy is given what? The, the last of the what? The last of the truffle of seeds right there. It's thrown down. And there's the little tiny seed with his hands. He's given that last seed to grow the forest again, to bring life back, to bring back the Lorax. In a, in a kind of crazy way, Jesus calls us to a similar quest. Jesus calls us to restore the creation. That includes the environment, but it includes also humanity. He's calling us to sow seeds that restore freedom, that restore peace, that restore dignity, that restore life. Not only to the earth, not only to the creation, but to the pinnacle of creation, humanity to every one of us who live on this beautiful planet. He's calling us to spread seeds, not truffle seeds, but heavenly ones. Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. It's my prayer that we will sow the seeds of the kingdom of heaven and bring back not the truffle tree, though that would be cool, wouldn't it, second graders? But to bring back the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, humanity walked with God and with each other perfect and free. That's our calling. That's our purpose. we redeemed for that. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it.